Hey, you're listening to Featuring Filmmakers, a podcast where we talk to people in the filmmaking industry about their projects and the creative process behind making them. My name is JJ. And I'm Amanda. And this is Featuring Filmmakers. To give you more context around this conversation, we highly recommend watching the project discussed on the blog at featuringfilmmakers.com. Today we're talking to director Bram Vondermark about a music video that he directed called The Cave for the band Need to Breathe. We talk about practical effects, working and directing well-known talent, as well as fostering a healthy crew mentality on set. So without further ado, let's get into it. Guys, thanks for having me. I haven't done something like this where I just talk about one project, and I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, that was one of the goals with featuring filmmakers was to to get a little more specific about projects. Cause I mean, like you said, there's a lot of stuff out there that talks about people's journey and that's cool. Like that can be helpful too, too. But our goal is to really equip people with knowledge and, you know, share experiences and help help each other out the filmmaking community that way. But that being said, we do like to open every episode just to get to know you a little bit, give some context into how this project came to be. But, um, Give us just a quick origin story of how you became a director and just a, a brief history of yourself. I didn't study film in school. I did go to college. I started out studying music. So I was kind of one of those music to director paths. I feel like there's a, a few different routes, one of them being skate, skate video person to director, which was not me. Um, and I transitioned to studying communications and did an internship for a, like a youth organization in England when I was in college. It's the first time I learned how to set up an interview, how to, how to use Premiere, and I just was really drawn to these things. I just kind of found the video world exciting. I also was got into stills first. I, I started shooting still photos. I'll also say my dad is an artist. My dad... Um, is a studio artist and he also ran a graphic design firm for 25, 30 years. Um, so I grew up very exposed to studio art and just kind of a, having a creative point of view on the world, I think. I, I credit my dad to a lot of my, you know, my attentiveness to, to the aesthetic world. Um, but I also kind of maybe ran away from that with music for a little bit. And then I kind of came back full circle, started doing a little bit of video work towards the end of school. Um, and I was sort of riding the line between photography and, and film videography. I would have called it at the time. You know, I didn't, I wouldn't even say I was, I knew what film was. I didn't know anything about production. I didn't really even know what a director was, but I started watching the music bed, like featuring, director things and that was my first exposure to directing and I I just thought these guys were so cool I, I really liked how they spoke about the world I thought their work was so mysterious you know to your point about this podcast I had no clue how they did what they did I had had a connection to Patron Tequila and I wound up being like a content producer for them for Probably, I mean, I wound up working with them for almost two years. In in January of 2018, I moved to New York. This was less than a year after I graduated. 
And I went there with the intention of learning more. And I didn't really even know where to start. I remember feeling so intimidated by the city and by the realization that there were, you know, probably thousands of people there doing the same thing as me, probably way better than me. I felt like I knew nothing. It was really, yeah, it was scary to do that. In those first months after I moved, I connected with anyone that I could. I was just kind of putting feelers out. Someone wound up connecting me to, to a guy named Micah Bickham, who was the EP and kind of lead director for Vivo's in-house kind of uh, creative department at the time. And long story short, I mean, we, we wound up, he's still like a great friend of mine and has been a mentor of mine for years. Um, but through that, I wound up PAing on a Vivo set for a shoot of theirs. Um, it was a pre-light day. On that day, Micah came up to me, he was directing the shoot and he was like, Hey man, I actually want you to be our B camera operator tomorrow. Is that cool? And I was like, yeah. So I think I credit Micah for just like seeing the potential in me way before I ever saw it in myself. He he gave me chances that I didn't deserve, I don't think. Um, that turned into a kind of repeating series of shoots that I, was, I became the B camera operator for. Didn't know if they were watching my footage or anything. And then they wound up offering me a job at Vivo to be like an in-house DP for them. Um, for some of these series shoots where they would do these in, in studio performance stuff. And, and that became transformative. I mean, it was my film school. The burnout kind of on the DP path helped me then consider directing. And, and some directors started telling me like, hey, it sounds like you might enjoy directing more and maybe you're, you're maybe better suited for that. So I wound up starting to direct for Vivo. Um, I transitioned my role there and finally started kind of exploring my own projects as a director outside of Vivo. So kind of starting out with the pre-production on this particular music video, I'm curious then like how, the connection of the story you just told, how did that um, lead into this music video being in your hands? Some of what happened is I ultimately wound up going freelance. That was a big learning process for me because I realized how much about the industry I didn't know about how work is awarded um, both in the commercial space and the music video space, which are completely different. And I didn't really know that. <laughs> Mostly learned there's just a lot of different ways that work gets awarded. So this in particular, um, this one came through a production company in Nashville that I had connected with called Gear 7. It was actually a year between when I met them and when this video came through. And I had, I had bid on I don't know, probably four or five other things for them that we didn't win um, in the meantime. And so that's always really frustrating, but it's also, I think, good for people to know, you know, that I, I didn't get like five jobs with them over that year. Did a lot of creative work, like ideating. I was excited about them all. Nothing happened. I think, sorry to interject, I think that's actually really good for people to know as well, too, because like you think, oh, they're doing this, they're doing that. Oh, look at them. And again, the comparison game, this is something we've talked about quite a bit here, but the comparison game sort of starts to creep into your mind and then you realize, oh, actually, wait. So thank you for sharing that because, wait, 
he doesn't always get it every single time. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. I think I I share that because I didn't I didn't really know that and it has been confusing for me to learn over time. The whole process is a lot harder than I thought it was. And people even told me that it was hard, but I didn't really understand it enough to know the reality of it. I've had to learn that a lot. Like really you are a, a service provider in the in the commercial space, especially sometimes in the music video space. I mean, you might have more creative freedom in the music video space, which we can talk about that for this project. Um, but yeah, it's a job, you know, and it's not, uh, it doesn't actually help you to see it as something else when you do just need to do the job of it, you know. I was talking to Amanda about this the other day too, but it it is, it can be very frustrating when you don't fully grasp like how it all works or like you said, there can be different options. So deciding which one is right for you, it's, um, it almost feels like, like I have all these ideas I want to do. I just need somebody to let me do them. And I mean, we as a production company too are like at a stage where we just need to figure out like how to get it through, how to get it approved or like how to get somebody to grasp onto it. And it's a very frustrating process if you don't know where to go or where to submit things. And like, it's a job in and of itself just to get something to happen. I'd love to hear a little bit about the pre-production process um, on The Cave uh, and um, hear what your relationship was like with producers. If you have producers, how did that look? To get the job, um, you know, they came to me with a brief they sent me the song, they being the production company. So this one came through the production company from the management company that had a relationship with them. And I think I had two days to write the treatment. And for me, I've really tried to grow in my ideating process. So I generally will use free association writing. That's like a big thing that I do for a lot of things. Listen to the song and just write stream of consciousness for a while until my idea starts to kind of distill out of that. And then mm. I'll take that copy, all that that I've written, and I'll put it right next to my treatment copy paper and and just write kind of through a template. Um, so yeah, I did that with this one. The, the idea for this initially was that they wanted to shoot in an actual cave. And so there was actually a location that they had sent through and they were like, we we think we could shoot in this cave um, in like South Carolina. Is they the band or that was the, the band. management? Yeah, the, yeah, the okay. band had, had wanted that. So part of my original concept, yeah, I mean, they were like, you could choose to do this or if you want to take the idea a different direction, go for it. And I was like, I think it's cool if we shoot in the cave. So I, I wrote an original treatment, which in many ways was very similar to the finished product in terms of the aesthetics, but that shifted and, and even in the pre-production process, um, things shifted a lot. So I sent my initial treatment, they got back to me, management, I guess, but the band included and, and they were like, you're down, we're down to the final two. We really like you, but we actually, um, we don't want to do this song anymore. So we have a different song. Can you write on that song? And I was like, okay. So I made another treatment for a whole different song, totally new concept, which I really liked. It was it was a kind of a very different approach. Come back to me again. Hey, you got the, you're, we're awarding it to you, but we're actually gonna do the cave 
and this song. And then they came back again and they said, we're actually going to do a different song, The Cave and a different song. So I had to write another treatment. Um, so that was all in the process of getting the job. And it wasn't a lot of money. So it's a lot Tell of work. Tell me, did you at least do the other ones too? Or was it just The Cave? One of the other ones didn't get shot, but the other... Uh, a second a one did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and this was over the course of, I don't know, three months. We were going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I'm getting a call with the, the band. I'm talking to them about the concepts. I'm making adjustments on the treatment. You know, it's a long process. How do you feel about this process like throughout it? Do you enjoy doing this? Is it painful for you? It is a little painful um, just because... Well, yeah, that's where I come back to the the job idea. You know, I think for me, from the beginning, I knew that there wasn't going to be a lot of money for me in 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 these videos. But what I did really like is that I had just kind of shot for the moon with my creative concept, and they liked it. And so I knew that it would be a a creative opportunity, which is which was exciting for me. It had been a little while since I had done a job like that. And so I had kind of already decided like, all right, whatever, I'm in for this. I want to work hard at this um, because I I want to make something with this band. Also, Need to Breathe is a band that I'd listened to for decades in my life. and Yeah, they're great. They're great. Yeah, and, and actually The Cave in particular, when I listened to it, I really liked it. And I was kind of surprised i mean i listened to it and i thought wow this is a this is an interesting song like i could really work with this so yeah those were kind of my driving forces um i also wanted to work with the production company we hadn't won a job together yet and so i really wanted to do something with them and um kind of make a deposit in that relationship so that being said yeah i did have a producer that i worked with even from my initial bid. I spoke with the EP from the production company and my and my kind of line producer um, just to clear out like, hey, do, does this seem feasible within the budget? Um, I had to make a few little creative tweaks just to make sure that I was within the, the kind of budget scale. Let's dive into production a little bit. I'd love to hear uh, just kind of the process on set, what the schedule was like and, um, you know, how it all went. When they had decided we actually don't want to shoot in a cave. We would rather be in like a studio. I was like, okay, I think I want to lean into that vibe. So I, I had really created this, this treatment with very, um, yeah, harsh, contrasting, practical setups um, using like minimal props and practical camera effects and lighting effects. Um, so that, that had always been my approach. I worked with an amazing... Uh, DP in Nashville named John Marzola. He's a great friend of mine now. We've we've worked together a couple times. Um, really, really great DP, by the way, if anybody needs a DP, um, especially Nashville local. And John and I had, we had spent a good bit of time in pre-production leading up to the shoot, just kind of talking about how could we achieve some of these looks that I had dreamed up. Um, I'm a very thorough prepare. So I, I mean, had made a detailed shot list. I did have a first AD, which I love having ADs and I often don't have them because, uh, you know, when you have a small budget, 
you're probably not going to hire an AD, unfortunately. Or maybe for me now, maybe I'm learning like, yeah, it's kind of They're always necessary. worth it. They I'm are. always trying yeah. to get people to get them. I'm like, come on. Oh, they make such a big difference. I think on this shoot in particular, it was such a challenging scheduling endeavor because again, we had two days, two videos, a lot of different setups. So I had worked with the AD the day before we had our, we had a, like a tech scout. He had already like really uh, brought me back down to earth and I had to cut probably, I don't know, five setups that I wanted to do even before we got to the, to the shoot day. Um, just trying to be realistic with time, which is always the challenge. And I think over time I've gotten better at, at anticipating realistic expectations of a shoot day and, and just knowing myself like, what will I probably want to spend more time on? Um, what can I move through quickly? What is my DP telling me that's going to take a while on setups? You know, I think a big part of directing is really getting a sense for these things and preparing yourself mentally to to steer the ship through these different phases of a day. Um, and I actually really love that part of directing. I think it's really exciting and and rewarding. On the shoot day, we were we were in one location in like a black box studio. The setups there were all of those um, like predetermined. You already had the vision for them. Were any of them like improv of like, oh, that's kind of looking cool. Let's do that too. Um, yeah, it seemed it seemed incredibly intentional. So I'm curious how much of it was improv versus like predetermined. I would say probably ninety percent of the shots were predetermined. And there were maybe a few moments during the day where I let myself kind of go, oh, let's actually try this really quick. And we actually had some really fun moments. Um, those moments were were more without any of the band. It was kind of when like the band was away. Maybe we were about to transition between setups and I was like, let's just try this. And so uh, all the crew, you know, we're kind of just like playing around with something. We did this thing with we had these masks, which you actually never even see in the video because they wound up looking really weird. So again, here's reality. I had an idea. It didn't work well. It's never in the cut. But I like suspended this mask in front of the camera. And we, I mean, we probably spent 30 minutes doing this, which is kind of stupid. This was one of my mistakes probably. But we Your were all laughing. Your like, uh, you're wasting yeah, exactly. time and money. Let's go. Exactly. <laughs> But we, had, we were kind of like ahead of schedule. So, yeah, um, it was a little bit of like a fun, I don't know, rapport builder in the middle of the day. But uh, yeah, I was actually going to ask you about your relationship to the gaffer. It sounds like, you know, you and John had been, you know, searching other gaffers and things like that. But this music video is so heavily, um, I guess, I guess light heavy is what you could say. And I think it's beautiful. It's incredibly artistic. By the way, I just wanted to let you know that it is a beautiful, beautiful music video. Very, very cool, um, but very light heavy. And so I was curious about your relationship to the gaffer. I mean, what was that like? Did you did you have any sort of meetings beforehand? What, what did that look like? What I have run into at times on different shoots is that I realize I would just speak directly to the gaffer and I would tell them like, hey, and I, kn I know how to talk to gaffers. I know how to tell them, 
I know the lighting language, like I know what words to use to get them to, you know, drop this thing 50% intensity. Let's like dolly that light over to the right a little more. Can we get more negative fill? Blah, blah, blah. Like I, I can talk to them that way. And not every director has that tool, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I started to realize like, oh, I'm kind of cutting my DP out of the equation. And, um, and I learned that on a shoot with a really like, a great DP, a younger DP. So this is a different shoot. Um, very gentle. We had a really good like kind of uh, debrief after the project, and he helped me learn that about myself. And I, I, I was able to realize, oh, okay, I should definitely make note of that because sometime this is not going to go well with the DP. So I did. I was actually really cognizant of that during the cave and. I really focused on just talking to John and I would tell him like, hey dude, this is what I think I want to try or this is what I'm not really liking about this. And I just let him completely be the the uh, you know, the channel of communication to his crew, the, the gaffer, the key grip. Um, and we had a really good gaffer on. It was, she's like very experienced. Um, you said she, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a woman. That's awesome. I haven't, uh, I haven't, encountered a female gaffer uh in a long time i feel like there, there's not many out there so that's really awesome to hear yeah yeah she was awesome and um actually a bit intimidating i mean when 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 we met on the scout i was like whoa i feel insecure as a director that i'm working with this gaffer like she, she just the questions she was asking and i will also note she didn't really talk to me um so i think she also was really focused on just going to John. Like she would listen to what I said. And as soon as I stopped talking, she would just turn to John and she would say, okay, so we should do this, this, and this, and this, right? Yeah, I think that's wise though. I feel like that's like kind of how it's supposed to be a bit mm -hmm. just because, I mean, look, of course it's, uh, you don't want to create a, a, a wall as a director. You don't want to create a wall that you're not like approachable, but at the same mm -hmm. time, you have something to focus on. And, you know, that's, that's, um, emotion, that's character development, that's technical things as well too. It's all these elements. And to add another voice into the equation can be a lot and it can be very overwhelming. So homegirl knows what she's doing. Yeah. That's she what does. I think. Yeah, <laughs> What's her name? Do you remember her name? Her name is Nancy Kang. She's Come on, Nancy. Shout out, Nancy. Shout and out she, to Nance. So, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know if her nickname's Nance. I don't want to assume anything here. Sorry, shout Nancy. out to Nancy. Going back into a little production, maybe some gear talk here. I'm finding it seems to be that there's two kinds of directors out there. There's those that are involved and care about the gear choice and the selection, and there's those that don't. Which category would you say you're in? Great question. Um, I would say I am somewhere in the spectrum, but I probably fall slightly more towards not caring. Um, Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> I'm here. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe that's the insecurity thing that changes too, but I think I used to feel like I had to know everything and Part of my realizing that I, I didn't really want to be a DP was that I just didn't care that much about the gear. And I feel like DPs, they have to a little bit. I mean, you, you want to work with a DP that like knows everything about cameras and lenses and whatever. That being said, on this project, did you communicate with your DP at all about like 
any preferences there? Did he, he or she come to you with all of the, the thoughts and equipment? I do think for myself, I try to have a very clear um, goal in mind. You know, I, I do have a very clear vision for what I want the image to look like. I'll, I'll let the DP choose the gear that gets us there, you know we'll discuss options and I, I like to ask like, hey, what, you know, what ways do you think we could accomplish this? What's like our dream way? What's our cheap way? What's, you know, blah, blah, blah. We talk through all that stuff because I think it's important. And again, then that lets the DP like flex their, their knowledge and great. I don't know this lens that you're talking about, but if that works for what we need to do, amazing, you know? I, I, I even looked at some of the lyrics of the song and, you know, they do talk about the cave and they talk about mirrors. And these are things that you used in the music video, which I thought was great. Um, but I'm also curious, there's so much emotion behind Bear. There's so much emotion behind him in this performance in particular. And so I'm curious, like, what were your thoughts behind that? I think Bear is an amazing performer and he he kind of blew me away that day. He's he's a sort of a quiet thoughtful person at least that's how I kind of experienced him on set directing talent is something that I really really enjoy learning about and putting a lot of thought into I think it's probably my favorite aspect of directing um, and finding the way to yeah unlock the the performance that's right for the for the task at hand I think the performance came from even before that I had spoken with bear on a call and got to hear some of his, well, first of all, some of what he really liked about the idea. And also he even kind of added some of his own thoughts. And so it helped me see like, okay, when he wrote this song, he's thinking about the battle in his mind and he's thinking about like fighting himself. He was, and he was using this kind of language. And so that helped us even come up with this like shadow boxing kind of idea where he would be fighting himself. And he loved that idea. And he, we talked about fight club. Like he, he said fight club on our call. And I was like, okay, like it helped me kind of understand where he was coming from. Um, and so honestly, he really performed very well without a lot of direction. I, I do think, and so I think I sensed from him, okay, he doesn't need a lot. But that is directing in and of itself, is that you sensed that he he's already there. What I, what I try to do, yeah, I mean, I try to sense that. Of course, I try to set the tone. I, I really like to make sure that I'm having a, a moment with talent, just kind of like acknowledging what's happening, acknowledging how things feel, checking in with them, and then giving them like just general rule of thumb, I try to give action-based direction and not just feeling like, make it feel more scary. You know, that's a terrible kind of thing to hear. As soon as we cut, the first place I go is to talent and just go check in with them. So they're not like hanging over the edge while we're all like, yeah, that was like, that was okay, but let's like do it again, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's my favorite part of the process too. When I'm directing, like I love, love the performance part. I love being able to connect with talent. What's one of the things that you feel like you took from this set and from this production, I guess, um, and feel like you, what's one of the things you feel like you learned 
from this experience. It, this kind of goes fast forwards all the way to the moment of like finishing the cut and locking everything in, which I know we didn't really talk about post, but, um, and then releasing it, you know, it's out in the world and I watch it and I did edit this myself too. So I do edit too. I don't always edit my own stuff, but um, I wanted to edit this one. I like editing. That's a whole other process that's exciting and, and like it's kind of crazy to see something take shape and then as you go on you kind of get a little bit detached from it and you stop having the, the sense of wonder and excitement and then you get all the way to the end and you have this finished thing and I watch it and I'm like that's cool that's cool like it's cool that this is what we made it's a video um but the day on set is always like the thing for me, you know, and to everybody else that watch a video, maybe for someone out there in the world, they're going to be like, wow, this is like one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Probably not. It's fine. Um, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Most people, most people will never see that video. And, and even the people that do see it probably don't watch the whole thing. And that's fine. Whatever. Not that's after being on world. Featuring Filmmakers. It's going to pop off. <laughs> hey, there we go. Go watch it, guys. You'll enjoy it. It's, it's got some good payoff. But yeah, so like, I don't know. You, you can't really even hold on to that stuff. And the connection that you might want to achieve with your audience through what you make, uh, you don't often really even get to know when that's happening either unless it's a film festival or unless you're like talking to someone right after they watch your work so like again the greatest connection I think is going to be the set day and just to enjoy that day for what it is a video production is an event in a way it's like you're playing plan plan up to this everyone's got their thing like it all comes into place and I just am like, as you're saying that, I'm thinking to like a wedding day, you know, people say like, oh, when you look back at your wedding, like, remember, take a moment to just like step back and like look around and enjoy the people there and, and like how this has all come together. And like, you know, we should really do that on production sets too. Like take a moment when you can to step back and realize, look what we did. This vision's coming to life. It's happening right here. And uh, because that, like you said, like that, that memory sticks with you longer than the final product does. All right. Well, you know, we got one more question for you and this is, it's riveting. Are you ready for this? Um, who would you like to hear on the podcast? You know, I knew this question was coming. And so maybe for the past three minutes, I've been subtly thinking about it in one corner of my mind, but I am just a big fan of her work and we are friends. We've met before. Um, and we keep in touch. We have some mutual friends, but Natasha Dersma, Natasha Dersma, she's just got a great blend of like humility and meekness. And to be totally honest, when I met her, I didn't, I hadn't seen her work yet, which is another interesting sort of little psychology tangent we could go down because it, it's so hard to not judge people off their work right away, especially if you haven't met them before you see their work. And so I just met her as a person and I, and I knew she was a DP. My friend is like, hey, I want you to meet this DP friend of mine. You guys are like film people. And I was like, cool. Kind of in my mind thinking, oh, she's probably like just starting and whatever. And then we met and she's really cool. She's from London. Um, really enjoyed talking to her. And, and even through our conversation, I was like, oh, she seems pretty experienced and like, She's good. She knows what she's talking about, but she's just a cool person. And then I look at her work and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's like amazing. And I would be 
honored if I ever get to work with her. Um, so I just, I don't know, I became a fan. I'm kind of a Natasha super fan, and I, I, I recommend her to people too to work with, but I think she'd be a cool Sweet. person to hear from. Yeah. Sweet, we'll thank her. you for we'll that. We'll find her. I just want to gas you up a little bit and say that... Gas uh, him up. Come on, Jay. This music video is awesome. The shots, the, the creativity behind it, like those ideas don't just come from nowhere. Like the broken mirror, the walls, like the lighting, like that doesn't just happen. Like there's creativity uh, and skill behind that. And I think Intentionality. That, yeah, and intentionality. And I can see through this video that you have both. So awesome work um i love talking to you today and hopefully get to meet in person soon thank you guys i really appreciate the kind words and appreciate the conversation featuring filmmakers is made possible by harvest film company to dive into content about these projects that we discuss you can go to our blog on featuringfilmmakers.com where we have everything laid out with behind the scenes the original project discussed and additional episodes there so check us out at featuringfilmmakers.com. Thanks so much for listening. Love you. Bye.